I am not one of these people that says, don't do a corporate career, like leave as soon as you can, because I think it's incredibly important to do the corporate career. Welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast with Jeff Kickle. On this show, Jeff shares his expertise in financial and retirement planning from a different perspective. Planning for your Freedom Day, which is the first day that you wake up and have enough income or assets and do not have to go to work that day. Learn how to calculate what you need, how to generate income sources, and listen to interviews from others who've done it themselves. Get ready to experience your own Freedom Day. Hey, everybody, it's Jeff here once again with the Freedom Nation podcast. And today I've got Michael Frew on. Michael is a former engineering consultant who reached that point in his life where he reached his Freedom Day and he decided to go live on a beach in the Caymans and then realized, wow, this is boring and I don't have a lot of stuff to do. And he ended up changing his business around. So we'll let him tell you about that. Michael, welcome to the show, my friend. That's awesome to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So glad to have you on. It was fun having our little pre-interview. So I'm yeah. really interested in uh, the story or hearing you tell the story. So why don't we kick it off? Tell us your story. How did you start out and how did you get to where you're at today? Yes, that's definitely the, the origin story, right? So mm -hmm. I feel like I'm probably like a lot of your listeners where I did about 18 years in a corporate career uh, sure. and you just felt inside that it wasn't exactly what you were intended to do. I suffered through multiple what I used to call quarter life crises during this mm -hmm. uh, period where I would just flat out up and quit with no plan of what I'm doing, but I, it just... Okay builds in you. And one day you just say like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm done. And I would take one time I went back and got an MBA. One time I just sat there for a few months trying to figure out what to do. Mm -hmm. But each of those told me like, all right, you're not in the right spot. I think what's challenging for people that focus on engineering and development and IT professionals is we're so well educated in a certain field. It's very hard for us to laterally move somewhere else. Sure. Um, you get a bit of a golden handcuff problem. So I kept coming back to the same industry. So I would try and approach it a different way. Like, all right, I'm going to be in a different part of the industry. Mm. And so after that kind of 20 year period is when I did try and do the fire. I'm going to be independent and retire a little early and maybe figure out what's next. And like you implied, we did exactly what we're supposed to do. My wife and I, we moved to the Caymans. We got a house on the beach. Like it's just the most perfect example. And I was so bored. And so the, some of us, it's just, you can't turn it off. Like if, no. if you still feel like you have something to contribute to society. And so that was the conversation I had to have with my wife. And, say, and you're you still know, a pretty still young dude, man. You got a lot of years yes. ahead of you. <laughs> yeah. That's where a lot of us, the, the concept of retirement is fairly newly invented before yep. talking as long as humans have been around. And so, yeah, I wasn't ready for it. And I, like many engineers, had tried to start my own business. It's a very mm -hmm. common thing that developers do because we're always trying to scratch our own itch. But it's also very hard to be successful with that. And there's tons of digital ink spilled about this. But one thing I don't see very often is discussion of what about acquiring the same thing? What about acquiring mm -hmm. businesses that are already successful? Somewhere in there, I found that avenue as a career path. And it is such a, it's such a cheat code because I'm skipping all the businesses that fail Basically, I get to pick all the survivorship bias companies that are actually making money, have customers, have product market fit. And I get to pick up with that on day one. 
So acquiring a business versus setting it up myself has been just a huge change. And you also get to choose what kind of projects you want to work on, right? So it'd be just like a project you would work on in the corporate world, except you get to do it yourself. You might get to choose who your customers are. You get to use to choose who you work with, who's on your team. Mm. Um, that can be very satisfying. So that was my big pivot. And that has made a completely different kind of career path than I expected. That's awesome. That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about that. How are you finding these businesses first off? Yes. So when I started about 10 years ago, it was a bit of a wild west on um, okay. what online business acquisition would look like. It has matured quite well. So there are now brokers and marketplaces that you can go and look for businesses that are for sale. You can obviously advertise that you are looking in higher a cold approach, much like an M&A would do to get that deal flow. And so we struggle with the same problems that regular brick and mortar M&A, which is you got to get really good deal flow of really good businesses. Mm. So there are brokers, there are firms now that do um, financing for online businesses. Even the uh, SBO has now started to approve those. So that has really opened up a lot of opportunity. Okay. And the business kind of in this niche is maturing as right before my eyes. But yeah, the first thing I would recommend to your listeners is start talking to brokers, start looking at marketplaces mm -hmm. and figuring out the niche you might be good in. Yeah. What's a couple of like the online marketplaces that you would recommend somebody take a look yeah. at? Yeah. So two marketplaces that are pretty popular. One is Flippa. It's probably one of the OGs out there. It's one of the yep. original ones. So it's, and then there's a newer one. It's called acquire.com. It used to be known as microacquire. Mm -hmm. It does a lot more software SaaS, which is what I'm interested in. Okay. And so those two are both marketplaces. They don't particularly have a broker per, per, per business that's for sale. Hmm. And then there's brokers. So there's FE International is one of them, hmm. Quiet Light Brokerage. And they work with the seller so that they present a prospectus that is very well put together and that the buyers yeah. can figure out very quickly whether this is a business they would like. So you can, there's two approaches, different costs for each one, but that's where I would start. Okay. And then, of course, anytime you're buying a business, there's that due diligence process. So how do you typically, when you look at acquiring a business, how do you kind of get yourself into that process? Because it, it is a little bit different from kicking the tires with a, a physical business. Absolutely. Yes. So one of the advantages we get a little bit with online businesses is that there's not quite as much to do, right? We're not out mm -hmm. there double checking equipment leases. Um, it's typically, it's all software. Yep. Um, the hardest part is you can't really step through and do a code review. Even if you okay. could, you're not really sure what you're looking for. That's the biggest risk. And so you factor that in a little bit, but maybe the first year you're going to have to fix the code if it's got some legacy dead weight in there. But outside of that, especially for this, you're buying just the assets. You're not buying the business. Yeah. So as long as that asset is clean, even if the previous owner had some issues with their company, you're just buying that basically the website asset. Um, okay. which makes it again a little bit easier so the due diligence process can be shorter um, mm -hmm. you do not have to have a tremendous amount of skill there's a lot of helpful tools out there to walk you through it um, so i do think it you know if, if you're comfortable in the it world um, it's it's a process you can get through the first time and be fairly confident of what you're doing good good and i mean you're acquiring multiple businesses over time you're not just buying one and okay this is my thing you're acquiring multiple businesses to diversify you Yes. So for me, I'm trying to look for businesses that are somewhat in the same tech stack, right? Okay. So on the back end, we're actually looking at pretty much the same thing. I have the same people on the same team working across multiple businesses. Okay. So for me, that works really well. There are other people that buy multiple Amazon e-commerce businesses, right? Because then you can use, you can leverage your logistics and your knowledge of that. 
So in that sense, yes, on the outside, it's multiple businesses, but on the inside, you're running them as one. And so that can be an, an advantage for someone that likes that. But there's also the opportunity to say, hey, I make $150,000 in this corporate job. If I buy this business, it will profit cash flow $150,000 a year. Let me just buy yeah. that. I'm kind of buying myself a job, but it's getting me out of that corporate world. I'm sure. now a business owner. And yeah, completely different uh, lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ideally, we talked about this. You enjoy getting into the operational side, but even if you enjoy being in the operational side, you get to make that decision. You just enjoy it. It's not, you're yeah. forcing yourself into that situation. You're not really truly buying a job. You're just buying something Absolutely. that you truly enjoy doing anyhow. And that keeps you busy, right? Yes. I definitely felt that on the beach where I didn't have anything to do. Yeah. Um, so that's why I enjoy working in the businesses and not everyone is like that. Some people yeah. are buying it so that they can work outside of the business. Mm -hmm. They hire a team, they hire a COO and somebody else runs it for them. Perfectly good model. And I think the majority of people probably are doing that model. I just happen to really enjoy waking up and all my businesses, our customers are all engineers and developers. Mm. So basically we just talk all day on customer service about engineering challenges. So for me, that's pretty rewarding. And that's the whole point of doing this is I'm actually acquiring something that I actually want to do mm. versus maybe a PE firm where they throw the business into a spreadsheet. It tells them yes or no, whether they buy it. And then they don't care about the business. Yeah. For me, it's the first thing I ask is like, would this be fun to do on a Friday mm. night just to hang out yeah. and, and run this? Now, you said you've got some stuff that's part of the same tech stack. Are you typically, are you buying businesses that complement each other or they're just similar so that your, your team works with them? Yes, I wish. Um, so far, I haven't had that perfect uh, alignment where I see a business come for sale and I think, oh my goodness, I could sell to my own business. It is just the tech stack at the moment. Okay. But there are opportunities, again, going back to maybe some of the e-commerce things where these this would be a great add-on to mm. your store. I think that's more common in that space. Uh, whereas okay. in the software world, it's pretty rare for something to pop up that's like exactly the same. Mm. So if I'm sitting there, I'm somebody that is thinking along these lines. I, I come from a tech background. I'm looking at this. We've talked about that kind of first step. I'll get out there, start looking around. How do you make that selection, that first selection to say, okay, this one sounds like me. Yeah, that's the scary first step, right? <laughs> and so I have actually had this question so many times. There's a set of questions that I get from people when they okay. find out what I do. But I actually put a video series together. It's completely free. It's just on my website there. Here are the four questions I get. How do I finance this? How do I figure out what that niche is going to be? And how do you pull that trigger like you're selling? To get over, those are the four big, the big humps that people encounter where they can very easily say, no, this isn't for me. But yes, it's a definitely a confidence challenge to hmm. part with that much money, maybe buy yourself a job and make that big switch. I recognize it is not that easy. And so I think reaching out to people like myself and you just to talk it through and say, is this something that you know my personality? Is this going to work for me? <laughs> get a little help. But yeah, if you can build a, a team around you that can help um, get that financial literacy of what you're doing for your acquisition, um, mm -hmm. yeah, just reach out for some help if you can. Yeah. And so a lot of these, when I read a little bit on your website, I was thinking a little bit, you're not necessarily acquiring a business. So the financials may not, may or may not be that important to you. You're looking to acquire the actual product in the end, and then look at how would I market this differently, which I think is a, yeah. it's a different approach than I've seen a lot of people do in this business acquisition or this digital business acquisition model in the past. Yep. 
Yeah. So bringing your own spin to it as well. What typically is happening where I'm acquiring. So you have an entrepreneur or maybe a team of entrepreneurs that take a business Mm -hmm. from zero to one. That is usually going to be pretty heavily focused on the engineering and getting those first customers. Sure. Right about that point, after it starts making some money, the average tech entrepreneur is going to be looking at the next shiny thing down the street. A couple of years ago, it was NFTs. Right right now, it's AI. They want to go into that. They don't want to do the operations and dealing with customers and dealing with refunds and all that. Sure. That's where they start looking to sell. Um, Mm. And so that's where I bring in. I take it from that one to 10. Um, Mm. So they do zero to one. I take it from one to 10 and sell it to the next person. So Mm. that's where I'm trying to add my little piece to it, where I try to make the business more scalable. I try and put in marketing. Most engineers are not going to do marketing. A lot of us are introverted like myself. We just Mm. particularly don't enjoy doing that. So if you add that, those pieces to it, that helps the business grow and you sell it to the next spot. So for me, that's where I've realized that's my sweet spot. Mm. Everybody can find their own little sweet spot for, for to work. Yeah. Love it. So if you were your 10, your five, 10 years ago self, what would you be telling yourself today? The the reason I even do these podcast interviews is I'm trying to talk to Michael Frew from 10 years ago Yeah, because I never had a mentor. I did not know this existed and I wish I had found about it earlier. Yeah. I am not one of these people that says, don't do a corporate career, like leave as soon as you can, because I think it's incredibly important to do the corporate career because that's who you're selling back into. Every business that I own, guess who my customers are? It's all the companies I used to work for. I need to know how those budgets work. I need to know who makes these decisions. If you haven't been inside the politics of a company, it's very hard to learn that. Uh So definitely do the corporate career. But what I would have done 10 years ago, this exact podcast is maybe start thinking, oh, I want to work in multiple disciplines inside of this company so that I can learn about marketing. I can learn about accounting. I can learn about engineering so that when I save some money and start buying my own business, I've got all those pieces. That's what I would have changed if I had heard this 10 years ago and it was a younger Michael. Would have done different departments and I would have started saving money in the same way if I was getting a down payment for a house. Mm. I would have done both of those things differently. Yeah. And I agree with you. I will say during my career, one of the companies I worked for, effectively, I was there 17 years and I had probably nine, 10 different jobs in that time period. And I I remember talking to the CEO of the company one time and he basically looked me in the face and he's like, you're completely useless to me for the first year uh, because you don't know what you're doing. And then that second year, you you start to be worth something to me. And then I need you to move into something else so that you can be worth even more to me down the road. So I think more people need to think that way of, hey, I want to learn about the other disciplines. Doesn't mean I'm going to, okay, I'm an engineer and I'm going to become a marketing guy, but maybe there's something I can do where I can work with marketing and be there to translate between the technical side and the marketing side of it. And you start to learn how all of that works and you start to learn how the finance piece works. Yeah. What a great mindset approach, because I know when you're in the company and people start moving you around like that, it usually, we get upset, right? We're like, why would I spend two years in marketing when I'm not a marketer? But if you think of it in the idea of like, someday I'm going to have my own business that I acquire and Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a small marketing piece. Like this is a massive advantage for me to see this from a corporate point of view. So yeah, that whole mindset change could be pretty beneficial. 
It is. And I mean, I think you use that. So it's funny because I was on a podcast yesterday with a guy and he asked me the question of of the book that I have, the the retirement trap. And I said, well, who's it written for? And I said, it's written typically for, because he was thinking it's for the millennial generation. And I said, it's written for people like 35 years old to 60. And I said, anybody before that, their life hasn't sucked enough yet to really, truly appreciate financial freedom and freedom in their lives. So I need a little seasoning on them before they get to that point. And that's that's that time period from you graduate college to let's say mid thirties, that's your time to learn. And that's suck it up, buttercup, get into the corporate world and one, learn as much as you can, because there's literally unlimited money for you to go learn. And two, you'll learn how bad it actually sucks. And you'll, you won't ever want to go back to that again. At that point. Yes. Oh, I, I completely agree. And I think you're right about that mid thirties. I always say it was, I learned a lot of things that I didn't want to do. Yeah. And the way I even manage my team today, I'm the anti-manager of what I had at corporate. I hope, <laughs> hopefully my team would back me up on this, but it's all the things I learned that I didn't want to do, but it does yeah. take some time to, to get that deeply yeah. deep feeling. And that's about the time where I had probably my third quarter life crisis. Mm-hmm. I'm in my late thirties and I thought I got to find something else to do. And yeah, had I heard it 10 years ago, it would have been an easy answer. So thanks again for doing this so people can hear it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. What's, what's new in your world? I know you said something about on your website, you've got some videos and things like that to help people out. Yeah. So the goal here is just to kind of reach out to the, to people younger than me. I never had a mentor to get me on this path. Yeah. So because the industry is so new, you get a lot of information is put out by brokers and marketplaces, but mm-hmm. that is, of course, from their perspective. There's sure. not a lot of perspective out there from buyers like myself or sellers about what do we see from our point of view. Somewhere in between running the four companies, I try and get as much information as I can out there. I probably a tad bit short on being a great content creator because I just don't have the time a lot, but I am trying to get the message out there. Like, this is what it's like to be a buyer. This is where the things are good. This is what stinks. Here's some things to think about. And then I do the opposite side for sellers. This is what we buyers are looking for. Here's how you're making mistakes. Here's why you're not getting as much money as you think you should. And just trying to educate around that. So for me, if I just had more time, I would absolutely put out more information as much as I can. So that's a little bit where I'm trying to work outside of the businesses. So I have time to educate. Awesome. Cool. Let's uh, flip gears and jump into the fast five questions. You ready? Sure. Ready to go. All right. Let's kick it off with the first one. You wake up in the morning. Businesses are gone. You have 500 bucks in your pocket, a laptop, computer, a place to live, food and clothing. What do you do first? Think of it from an acquirer person point of view. Hmm. When you ask that question of someone that has built a business, that is a scary question. Yeah. But for me, if you take away, and this happened to a lot of my colleagues in COVID, if you had a wedding dress company and it's just gone. So what we all did, we just reached out to the brokers and said, listen, I got all the time in the world right now. Let's figure out how we do financing. Let's find a business that I'm good at. And we just move forward. So that question is not quite as scary when you're, when you have the skill set in this area. Now that takes time, right? So you have to have that network. And those are things you can't take away from me if the business goes bankrupt. So that is another advantage here is that skill set and the network that you build. It's hard to say it's recession proof, but it definitely gives you an advantage if everything goes bad and you have to start over. Yeah. And the good part is if you're in a recession, that's when the blood's in the streets and there's the ability to acquire some things that it's the people who have the money 
at that time yeah. that are the ones and the skill set to say, hey, I'm going to acquire this business and I know I can take it to that next level at that point. Yep. All right. Second question. What's the biggest business mistake you've ever made? Good one. I acquired a business where the seller was the business. So the best okay. way to find that, think of Oprah. Mm-hmm. If Oprah was ever selling her production company, and she changed this over time, but when she started, she couldn't have sold it for anything because she is the business. And I made the mistake of buying someone that, that he was the business and I did not recognize that. Trying to replace that person, whether they're charismatic or whether they're a known name in an industry, is really challenging. So mm-hmm. that was a pretty big mistake that I hopefully learned from and won't repeat in the future is make sure that in a weird way that the seller isn't really that important to the business. So yeah. If you take them away and they get hit by the bus, like, is the business going to keep going? I bought one that was not true. And so that mm-hmm. was a mistake. Yes. Got it. What's a good book that you'd recommend for our audience? So I think books hit you at different times in your life, right? And so sometimes you're open to a message. So for me, somewhere, maybe a decade ago, I hit Turning Pro from Stephen Pressfield. And it's the discussion. So he talks about, obviously, in some of his other books, he talks about resistance. And that's basically, we're our own worst enemy. But what I really enjoyed about Turning Pro was the mental mind shift that you have to make of, I am just not a kid and this is not a hobby anymore. I am now a professional and everything about my life is to be a professional for this goal of mine. Mm. I like how it's a very short, very short messages in the book. So it just hit me at the right time. And it's one of those I wish maybe I'd heard about a little earlier. So hopefully somebody in your audience um, looks that up and uh, gets some benefit out of that book. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. What is a tool that you use in your business every day that you might recommend to our audience? Man, I know it's, this is going to sound boring, but it's yeah. my phone. So okay. every business I run is uh, mission critical, which okay. means we have to all be online all the time. Um, okay. We do sleep. We have methods set up to wake us up if something goes bad. But mm-hmm. to be able to have my phone, that gives me the freedom to go anywhere I want. Yeah, um, I will definitely carry my laptop most places. But to be able to do customer service, really rush down problems through the phone, Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. So I'm old enough without having to say the number to have grown up without any of those technologies yeah. where you always had to be tied to your desk to have this liberation tool of just having your phone again, super boring. But if you took it away from me, not from the phone, but just for running the business, it would be a big change. <laughs> yeah. The reality is the iPhone is only 12 years old at this point. It's crazy. So, I mean, yeah. it's, that that you, you think back, I mean, 12 years wasn't that long ago. And you know, we were all trying to type on a cell phone where you had to double click uh, on the, the each yep. number and all that. And that one change dramatically, same thing. My whole world is on here. Every email account I have, I usually I'll jump to the phone before I jump to something else or bring up my computer yeah. at the time. Absolutely. So. It's amazing. Boy, 12 years. So if you think like chat GPT, it's barely, oh. we're in early, we're late January. How much that's changed. Yeah. And it's been like, it hasn't been 16 months. Yeah. How much that's changed everything, especially in my world, right? If yeah. you're acquiring a business that ChatGPT might put out a business in the next few years, like that has really upended this yeah. market. Content websites, I don't know who's buying those right now. I think there's a bit of a, just a complete stalemate on certain types of businesses. Mm-hmm. I just put out a, a Facebook thing. I finished a book and it's the first book I've used AI to do most, a pretty good chunk of the book. I hired a ghostwriter, yeah. but 
most of the rest of the stuff for the book and the Amazon listing and all that was all done with ChatGPT. And it's really damn good. It's probably the best book I've ever put out. And so that's the speed to market utilizing AI today. I agree with you. I think there's going to be a bunch of buggy whip content companies that if they don't adapt quick, and this is not, oh, we're going to have a 10 or 15 year ramp down period. If they don't adapt quick, they're going to be out of business fast with it. Yep. And acquirers like myself would not buy them. And so that's, businesses do two things, right? They go bankrupt or they get sold. And so if nobody's going to buy it, (laughs) we're running out of options. Yeah. So you always, for your audience, always remember that your real true customer is either the person that's going to buy it or the business can go out of business. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Last question. What is your definition of freedom? So for me, I wake up every day and I can decide what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, most days, fortunately, most days I wake up and I am super jazzed to go work eight to 10 hours a day on the companies. Mm. I love doing that, looking for new businesses. But there are other days where I wake up and I'm like, I just want to go hang out. So I live in Las Vegas, just a tremendous amount of things that you can do. And it's 24 sure. hour time. Maybe I wake up and I'm like, I'm just going to go hang out at Fremont this week um, or today. That is a freedom to me that mm-hmm. I'm still getting my stuff accomplished. I've got that phone that, that we just talked mm-hmm. about where I can still run the business, but then I'm still out being able to do whatever I want to do. Yeah. That is a huge change. And I know a lot of your listeners, that's an envious position that they would love to be in there in that kind of a role, um, but you can do it. And I think that's why I, I talk so much about acquisitions because it is such a shortcut, mm. and such a way to cut in the line. To be able to reach that point, why not start with something that already works instead of trying something that might work? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I mean, that, that's brilliant. Michael, thank you so much. If someone's interested in learning more, connecting with you, connecting with some of your content, where's the best place to go? Easiest, my website. So it's michaelfrew.com. I've been around long enough. I was actually able to snag my own domain name. Yeah. LinkedIn, same thing. I've got just Michael Frew and uh, just just reach out. I'm always interested to help people if they're looking at acquiring and what are the steps they need to do, or if they think they might sell in the next year, I'm always happy to take a look and say, here are the problems with your business. We can fix this in a year. We just, let's just start. Hmm. Excellent. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing your story today. Really appreciate it. Folks, we do these shows for you. So make sure you connect with Michael. He's got a wonderful website and I would recommend getting on there because he does give some wonderful content for you. Um, And as always, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Give us a five star or an upvote wherever you're watching or listening to this. That's why we do these for you. And give us a comment if you like this and you want to hear more. We'll see you guys back here the very next time. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and all the major channels. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review. If you have friends and family that could benefit from their own Freedom Day, please share with them. Finally, join Freedom Nation by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.